Welcome to GalacticConnection.com, one of the most popular blogs on the World Wide Web today for alternative news. Stay tuned for the latest information on our world shift from enslavement to galactic involvement, as well as current intel on any blockages impeding us from our sovereign birthright. Knowledge and self-mastery are key at this time. Our commitment is to present you with the latest breaking conspiratorial articles, off-world messages, exopolitics, cutting-edge technologies and sciences, and also an ever-significant intertwining of spiritual support and metaphysical scope that one needs to dive down the rabbit hole in search for truth with balance. We are truly on the horizon of a new golden age filled with the promise for more love, worldwide peace, and accelerated intuitive skills where every living being can exist in cohesion and abundance. It is whatever we envision and dream this new world to be. I say to you now, let's redefine the new world to the beginnings of our own precious heaven on earth. Galactic Connection is here to provide the pulse of Mother Earth through an eclectic range of interviews each Tuesday afternoon from 3 to 4.55 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Station 2 on BBS Radio, expanding your perspectives on how we can once and for all take back our freedoms, our joy, and our connection with our mighty I Am Presence. Our intention remains true to connect hearts and minds everywhere in order to obtain global unity and galactic and universal acceptance. Our discussions will continue to cover anything to do with galactic society and our involvement with our galactic brothers and sisters. Our guests are experts in their fields and our radio shows have been coined as some of the most thought-provoking out there. In addition to our daily blog, which runs 365 days a year, we also offer a realm of healing services such as our world-renowned implant removal processes, our spiritual past life clearings, our galactic violet ray alchemy from Alexandra who shares in the lineage of Merlin, and other cutting-edge healing technologies. Check our site out at galacticconnection.com now. Sending you a wave of light, love, and inspiration, and a personal hug and thank you for listening to our Galactic Connection radio show and visiting our blog today. Good morning, everyone. This is Alexandra Menners of GalacticConnection.com, and today is a pre-recorded interview for May 2nd, 2017. So what I wanted to uh, just chat really quickly about is start noticing the subtle changes. Now, first of all, how many of you have gone out at night and really scoped out the stars? Look at how radical of a change is in that location just there. Notice how fewer stars are appearing as they did before. Notice that the configurations of the triangular layout is different than it was before. Uh, there are just so many little subtleties, but if you don't look for them, you're not going to see them. And this is going to keep happening more and more and more. So uh, just keep your eye out on all the people and their behaviors and how they're acting with all of these sudden changes and light frequencies. Keep your eyes open. Really start noticing things around you. And as I always say, maintain your inner core 
through this experience because it's starting to ramp up. We're going to see more and more stuff on the internet. Uh, we're going to hear a lot more kind of frenzied activity, a lot more chaos on the third dimensional plane. And remember, you have a choice of how you can interact with that third dimensional plane. If you choose to exist in a higher frequency, you're actually existing and kind of cohabitating in a higher dimensionality. That does not mean to say that you're not going to the store to buy groceries or what have you, but you do have a choice where you put your attention and how you respond emotionally to what's going around you. It's very crucial right now for all of us to really stay centered and just keep our foundation strong. So today, uh, as many of you already know him, I am bringing on Dr. Richard Allen Miller, PhD, and uh, I, I felt it, he deserves a very long bio uh, on his background. This guy is just amazing. It's going to be a very interesting interview. I'm probably not going to say a whole lot because he has so much to talk about and in so many different directions. So uh, just to give you an idea, he's known as Dr. Ram. He is a physicist, writer, and agricultural consultant based in Oregon. He has graduated in 1960 with a Bachelor of Science in Solid State Physics. He spent 11 years working with the U.S. Naval Intelligence and then with MIT and had a pioneering role in research into parapsychology as well as paraphysics. In the early 70s, he became disenchanted with orthodox physics and looked to magic for answers. Dr. Miller has conducted groundbreaking research into holographic concepts of reality and has written diverse papers and books on metaphysics, parapsychology, and alternative agriculture, including The Modern Alchemist back in 2010. He was awarded a PhD in physics based on his extensive body of work. His most recent books, there are so many, I'm gonna go ahead and give you a link so you can go up and check it out. Uh, the one that we're going to be talking about is Power Tools for the 21st Century, and you'll be able to check that out. Uh, he's got books such as ESP Induction Through Forms of Self-Hypnosis, which is a three-part series titled Towards Evolution of Consciousness. It includes Power Tools for the 21st Century, a non-local mind in a holographic universe. Right up our alley, huh? Dr. Miller has contributed a variety of articles to Nexus magazine on the Schumann Residence and Human Psychobiology, the Harp Threat, Holographic Reality, the Cordyceps Senesis Medicinal Mushroom, and ESP Induction. He's a pioneer in the annals of metaphysical and paranormal exploration. He began working in the X-Files work of Navy Intel in the late 60s, uh, and that continues to go on. As an original black ops team member, Miller's research in the field of paranormal began as a graduate physicist working 11 years with Navy intelligence in anesthesiology. And during this period, numerous foundational papers such as a holographic concept of reality and embryonic holography were written. Uh, his past and present and current writings and presentations reveal a depth of knowledge and practical experience in his three major fields of alternative agriculture, new age physics, and metaphysics. He can also be contacted and you can review his website at richardallenmiller.com. You can also go to docram.com. You'll find him there and we'll, uh, we'll uh, 
dive in in a few minutes. But um, he also has been doing extensive work with the SEALs, uh, which started out with the SEAL Corporation. I'm hoping that he'll answer a few questions there because that's something I'm very interested in. Uh, with a background, uh, I have so many family members that have been in the military, so it's something I always have an interest in. Anyway, stay tuned, and uh, you'll be able to listen to this on May 2nd. BBS Radio Station 2. As always, we do definitely gladly receive donations to keep this free service alive. It costs a lot of money for what we do. And we have two bloggers who dedicate an immense amount of time to get this information out to you. Uh, you can also check out our products and services and know that you are dealing with a team that is you know, integrous and heart-centered, and we are here to serve you. So stay tuned, and we'll talk to you in a few minutes. This here is my great-grandfather's. Okay, that's, that's Okay, awesome. it's, over, it's over 100 years old. Is that a lapis? Uh, is it lapis? Yes, ma'am. It was, uh, he was the lodge master for Rudolf Steiner. And then, look at this. I heard this. That is a different eye in the triangle. And look at our logo. God we trust, naval intelligence, all others. Oh, oh that's awesome. That's funny. <laughs> so what do you say? Yeah, well, what I don't do you say? So you know what? It's a delight to talk to you because not in in the realm of intellect, you're obviously very gifted, but you have that very kind of <laughs> innocent, <laughs> Yeah, you have that very innocent childlike demeanor about you just that kind of sucks everybody in to want to hear more from you. <laughs> that little kid thing, huh? I well, love it. Uh, that comes with the territory. If I didn't laugh, I'd be... Uh, I bet, oh, man. I bet. You have no idea. I, you know, I my website has recently been compromised. And uh, we're talking about, just in the last week, 17 orders for books were purposefully deleted. Oh. The, yeah. And imagine how the credibility of that and how it's affecting. And I'm meticulous. I, you know, I'm like trying to I do the right we, thing. I, I think we all get that. So obviously, I don't tell you, tell, I don't call you Dr. Richard Miller. I think don't you call me Rick. Rick or right? call me out. Call me late for dinner. Or, uh, <laughs> you know, because everybody's got to serve somebody. I love Bob Dylan. Yeah. You're so funny. So I really, I want you to, uh, you've done so many interviews and I, I know that there will be some repetition in this interview, but what I really want you to start out with, is how did you get involved in U.S. Naval Intelligence in the first place? <laughs> That's a creepy story. Um, in my junior year and senior year of science fair projects, I came on the radar with old man DuPont. DuPont uh, worked for Rockefeller and uh, does Navy intelligence. Army, <laughs> that's an oxymoron, uh, is usually 10 years later, the wrong dot dies, you know, when you stare at it. Oops, <laughs> you know, you're staring at this one and that one dies, and they think that's significant. Uh, it is and it isn't. Uh, coincidences um, has to do with Buckminster Fuller and the concept of synchronicity and uh, finding patterns and things that six things are laid in front of you and that one's important. That's your future timeline talking to your moment right now. Wow. Now, okay, so in my junior year, 
I developed a new meson field theory, a mathematical thing, uh, dealing with a meson called the muon, which is now considered an elementary particle. And it created what we call a backward wave in time called a tachyon factory, going faster than the speed of light. And that was Yukawa's work out of Japan, and I did that as a 15-year-old. And 16, I built a linear accelerator that created particles going faster than the speed of light. And uh, that was the first American to do that with a hydrogen bubble chamber. And it dealt with what back then was called Cherenkov radiation. Today, that's called Bromenstrahlen radiation. And it has to do with the index of refraction when light goes through uh, at the speed of light, uh, slows down uh, in the medium it's doing, causing an index of refraction. And I was the first American to do that as a, as a, as a teenager. So, of course, uh, they all came out of high school. They were waiting for me. They orchestrated my undergraduate work. I ended up doing that at Pullman, uh, Washington State University. Uh, they had a little-known professor at that time that was chaired that called Raymond Band, who wrote uh, Band Theory and Mathematical Physics. And uh, that was where I started. And uh, old man DuPont was there to hire me uh, when I came out of undergraduate school, took me back east and put me at the University of Delaware and then Princeton and MIT. Wow. And, uh, I started teaching uh, at Harvard and uh, uh, that's where I got my medical and uh, uh, medical degree. I was already a physicist. And then later I got to very rare opportunity to study with James Holman. And so I'm a Jungian psychotherapist. And uh, mm -hmm. I, the original group of us were all whiz kids that I was a diver. And uh, so I have books, eardrums, huh, what? And I can't hear <laughs> certain kinds of bandwidths. And, uh, but I, uh, I started with SEAL Corporation out of Amherst uh, before it was SEAL Corporation, uh, Navy SEALs. And then when <laughs> I put SEAL... Not to interrupt you, but what does SEAL stand for? I have no idea. Uh, originally, when I was doing it, Navy SEALs didn't exist, so I thought it was a SEAL on a jar. It was out of Amherst. Oh, really? It was awesome. Yeah, what I was doing was teaching uh, what you now call super soldiers, what today they call uh, Spidey Sense, was back then ESP, a very no-no word. Hypnosis was very no-no word. But then I got to debrief Dr. Milan Riesel when he defected from Czech, Czechoslovakia. This was during the Ostrander and Schroeder's psychic discoveries day behind the Iron Curtain. And the Soviet Union back then was not as um, uh, technically competent as they are today. And basically, it was mostly Czechoslovakia that was, you know, way ahead of us. But they I had cosmobiology. The I thought the Soviet Union was way ahead of us in diving into the parapsychology part of it, weren't they? Para means, para means beyond. Para means beyond psychology or, or paranormal. And uh, it was beyond normal. And we started seeing those kinds of things when I did Jack Schwartz, for example. One of the studies I did with MRU was uh, uh, Jack Schwartz, uh, Aletheia Foundation out of Ashland. He's dead now. He was out of Portland at the time and could put needles through his arm and stop the bleeding. And if you don't think the military wanted to know how he did, could do that, exactly. that was like primary. Yeah, intuition. 
that was how I chose uh, Steelgun at one. I measured their ESP. I wanted someone thinking from the gut. This is where you want to go. Yeah. And I, they call that ESP. Uh, we have many names in history for it. You know, EQ, your worship this, uh, you know, <laughs> better than IQ. Uh, and that led me to write uh, books or papers like uh, A Holographic Concept of Reality. I was the one that first did that. The reason I wasn't in Talbot's book was all my work was classified top secret at the time. Uh, Persinger, now, I mean, uh, let's see, that would be Don Bohm and uh, Carl Prebrum were writing about holonomic systems. I was talking about holographic. How did I discover that? Well, when I was at DuPont, uh, the experimental research station in Wilmington, I was walking down the hall doing some work in my own lab. When I walked by this lab and I saw Gabor, uh, who got a Nobel Prize later uh, on a holographic concept, he, he had taken uh, uh, two-dimensional film script and was able to do coherent light, and he had a three-dimensional TV, color TV, operational in 1967. I saw it. It's not in our marketplace, and I have no idea why, because we had one in 67. And I took that model three years later after graduate school and conceived that a hologram is n dimensions of information in n minus one dimensions. Today we call that fractal mathematics, leading with Mendelbrot, Julian, May patterns, where the same pattern possesses itself outward in different dimensions, you know, this size, this size, and that size. And rather than work with space time, uh, which deals with space and time, quantum uh, mechanics. Um, I chose to work with information, suggesting yeah. that space and time were illusions and that more it was information and the resolution of information. And today, uh, that was Tim Leary and uh, his concepts of neurologic circuits uh, dealing with uh, hierarchies of neurotransmitters. Um, <laughs> we start with opiate, and then you move to higher things like dimethyltryptamine. The lysergic acid amide molecule is the aha drug. That's where you connect one dot with another. And since that's an arbitrary thing, it led me to believe that if the brain was a four-dimensional hologram of five space, if you could move to different parts in the brain, meditation, whatever, you, you could change the movie. And lo and behold, that was true. And watch what I'm going to do next. And uh, literally, it's possible. Imagination is reality. We have individual balls that we're in, if you will, like a little, you know, bubble. And that's your universe. And basically, what's inside that bubble is an infinity sign that's rotated on its side, forming an hourglass. It's a closed system with your past flowing into the future with the moment being that that's all you really experience because guess what you have two brains cavitation i know i just i i was so awesome uh, so fascinated when i read this so talk to them a little bit about the enteric the enteric system is a is a metaphor again of hierarchy of habitat and so rather than you are what you eat uh, it's more likely that you are whom you feed i.e uh, you know, you have candida, if you have too much sugar, you can smell it in your armpits and things like that, mold and yeast. Um, there's a hierarchy of organisms in the soil, uh, like called mycorrhizae, 
and uh, you see that in the way uh, uh, a nematode com communicates to a beetle mm -hmm. in terms of the hierarchy. There's a woman up in UBC, uh, Forest Service, that talks about the mother tree, like in Avatar, where there is an older tree in the forest that communicates what's about to happen with weather to all the other trees through this network, just like your gut does to your upper brain or consciousness. Absolutely. Now, this brain is basically uh, to make all your beliefs true. I wouldn't have seen it if I hadn't have believed it. That's exactly how you work. Uh, you won't see things unless you believe in them. Mm -hmm. If you were a Christian and two aliens walked in the door, could you see them? And uh, it's, it, 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 okay. So beliefs then, for me, became a tool rather than something to be avoided. And all through our history, we have avoided, uh, 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 yeah, like, like Christianity. If, if you had not been born in America, if you had been born in, I don't know, Pakistan, would you have been a Christian? Yeah, no. Uh, okay, so that means that that part is arbitrary. Yeah. Which would suggest that maybe those beliefs are tools rather than, for example, I have seen a woman watch her child burning in a car and at a moment of stress rip a car door off, literally, to save her daughter. I've seen that happen. Now, to rip a car door off would break the bone mm -hmm. in your body. So how can she do that? Well, it's because everything, like Merlin said, anything not specifically forbidden is mandatory. If it's possible, you can count on it. And that suggested that our paranoia and tweaking and, uh, you know, all the different subsets of altered states that we have are actual gifts from God to be used in specific things. A ball peen hammer is quite different than a mallet or a Ford hammer or, a, you know, oh, to knock out a gun. Rick, I had that and same so, thing happen to me. I actually got... I, I know, we all I do. Got, and we choose not to, to notice. Yeah, I yeah, had to try to rape me. And uh, I, I mean, I had so much strength, I couldn't believe it. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. That no, will be, I, I almost, I almost killed the guy. Literally, I you realize what that does to the damage that does to your consciousness in your belief systems, and the way you might relate to men he now. Succeed. So, well, I'm trying to say something. All of these weirdnesses that happen to us create a schism of why consciousness is not really as real as certain dream states. That's why Aborigines will put dream, dream time as a more real content than consciousness is because you're damaged. And because of that, it sets up belief systems that in this state of consciousness, but you see, if there's altered states with hypnosis, I can put you to a state right there next to where you are, right with me, right there, right there. And that place right there, your ability in guessing is 400 times over where you are right now. And that is what the enteric nervous system is about. It is a habitat of communication and subsets of information going from one level to the next, like 
IQ, and then we have EQ, you know, a physical plane, emotional plane, how you feel about the physical plane. Yeah. That place is why we worship women, haha, <laughs> Benny Jesuits, whatever, that, that have a sense of something more because of how they feel about the information. And above that plane, the next level in your hologram would be probably intellectual plane is what I call it where you can distinguish the difference between a chair and a couch. They both do the same thing, but they're different. Mm -hmm. And you have mm -hmm. a different similarity, similar differences. That's where John Bohm's mathematics came in. Different similarities, similar differences in the implicate order. Now, that's where he started seeing the hologram. Further up in the chain, the fourth level would be the archetypal plane, where you are me and I am you. And I am the walrus. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, uh, th the reason I'm saying it like that um, is that when I think of something original that is, is original, it's not really because that's why the Nobel Prize is often shared with someone from around the world. It becomes part of mankind's knowledge, which makes us different. Yeah, yeah makes us different than a machine. And so this movement with transhumanism and barcodes on the back of the neck and, you know, like out of blade or something of that nature, that is the mark of the beast. Yes. And yeah. that is the end of times. And um, so what distinguishes us differently than a machine is that a machine doesn't feel pleasure when it beats you at chest. And that is what makes us human archetypally. And then there are four more levels up above that that I don't bother with, but I do explain to SEALs. And, because it's, it has to become a super soldier means that you have tools that the normal human and consciousness does not. For example, in martial arts, there is a technique of breathing. Uh, I start with a didgeridoo, where you can change your perception of time with breath. And okay, that puts you in an altered state. Uh, with carbon dioxide to oxygen ratios, I can get into the scientific, but that's irrelevant. And you can have paranormal forms of boxing because it would appear to you that the precision of Tai Chi and the accuracy of Hung Gao. Uh, now that is, Kung Fu, by the way, means excellence. It, you could have Kung Fu in ballet. Uh, that's a Chinese word for center. You know, it means you, you're, you're you know, it's a, like Steve Gaskins. <laughs> Steve Gaskins did the farm, you know, in Tennessee. He wrote a book called Spiritual Midwifery. His first book was called Monday Night Class. It was Berkeley. And I took that course way back when, hate Ashbury days, you know. Uh, and um, I discovered he drew the circle on the blackboard and then he said, it may not be a perfect circle, but it is a perfect whatever it is. <laughs> that that is kung fu that is kung fu when you hit the center of it you know and it's different for each of us yeah. some people can go down further with our body right. movements how, how, how many books have you read uh after i learned how to read uh i didn't know how to read until fourth grade <laughs> i heard that uh, i heard that yeah probably well back then i was reading a book a day yeah, that's what I thought. And yeah, do you no. sleep? Do you well, sleep I just a lot? You probably what? don't. You probably don't sleep very much, right? 
Oh yeah, no, no, I get my eight squares. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought you'd be I'm one of those ones that's up all night, you know. I'm just a little kid. It's basically that's what my gift is. I don't have a photographic memory. I have a dedic memory. Yeah, a dedic. And now I'm 73. What would you like to know? And uh, divine right. I'm blessed. I'm gifted. All of us can be what I am. I'm not any big deal. What I've done is actually understood how the nervous system works and enhanced it with my own mind. The jump potential between neurons is called a contingent negative variation. And if you look at my brain, I have subsets that most people do not that you can grow. Is dendrites. And uh, dendrites, there's uh, Ostrander and Schroeder were students of mine uh, when they wrote Life Extension. And there is a hormone, uh, anterior pituitary hormone, you squirt it up your nose. <laughs> and it's uh, called vasopressin. It's a prescription only. It's counter-strength. It's um, high blood pressure. It'll elevate your blood pressure. And, uh, but, and it needs refrigeration. It's a hormone. Uh, and uh, it, uh, it's for Alzheimer's, mostly. Huh? What were we talking about? <laughs> Something about that. But, um, it will far away from Alzheimer's, okay? <laughs> it will improve your memory 25% within 10 seconds. And once you've done that for a period of time, I did it for one year, you now become what I am. And that is how you do it. And uh, there's foods that you can eat. Uh, I take a lot of oxygen into my body via pharmaceutical mushrooms. That's chapter one in the non-local mind, uh, 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 power tool. That was the first thing I had uh, sales do is have more oxygen in their body, mm -hmm. physical plane. How do you enhance the physical plane? Oxygen. We don't have enough from our lungs. And it's going and blood. down in the atmosphere, right? Yeah, so what you do is eat foods, the right ones. That's, again, the habitat and whom you feed. That's how it works. There's a metaphor here. And so the enteric nervous system, I would say the human body is less than 10% human, and the rest of it are bacteria, organisms like, you know, a little pylori and stuff like that, and bacteria, molds, and yeast, and water transport processes. That's pretty much what you are. You're a habitat, like your solar system is, like the solar system is to the galaxy, like the galaxy is to the universe. And we are as above, so below, and we're in the food chain. That's Bob Dylan again. Yes. Everybody's got to serve somebody. Ah, I love it. We're in a parasitic universe. I know. Isn't that wonderful? You're, a, <laughs> I don't know about you're that. an interesting person. Well, tell me something about you. I, I'm interested in, in people that would question me because the types of questions gives me insight. And I'm, I just want to confirm some of my values here. Oh, you you're scanning me. You're scanning me. You're reading me. Yes, I um, am. I, I read body language. That's oh. what you do. Oh, Movement. Okay. A lot of communication going on with hands and words. Those were technologies from previous epochs. Yes. They, you know, sound and dance movement uh, could change space time like whirling dervish. And uh, uh, so I'm interested in body movement, like mudras, uh, Chinese forms. Uh, there's all kinds of things like that that are interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, left the corporate world after 20 years of being in sales management, and I come from. What kind of sales? 
What did you do? I was primarily technical sales, engineering, architecture, and also security identification and access control. Really? Yeah, I was heavily, I'm heavily. You're good people. <laughs> we have been breached. Don't come back there. I don't want to go there. But it, I, I know, I know some of the reasons why I was there, and I learned a great deal about. I was calling on and interfacing with a lot of black op locations and military and subcontractors and uh, you name it. Anybody that had to do with security, including uh, Fortune 500 America, you know, um, and. Yeah. And then uh, I got yes. smart and I went down the rabbit hole and uh, came out the other side. I found the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found the one of rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I that's had, where that came from. <laughs> I had a terrible car accident and uh, that's when I really went bam. Uh, and it awakened some of my gifts, which was cool, even though it was very painful. And then I started Galactic Connection five years ago and it's very, it's very successful. We have a really great website and the whole purpose to that is to unify the information because we're getting so bombarded with it to unify the spirituality with the ufology and the conspiracy so that people have a more balanced detached perspective so that Diet. they can be more the observer instead of the participant and right. uh, be able to hold the vibrational frequency while we go through this radical shift so that's there is, a bit about uh, the, the end of days, the Nibiru, the uh, apocalypse, all of that is not a bad or good thing. It is an opportunity. The Clovis uh, out of Popo and further south, they've now just recently discovered that they had spaceflight, just like Cave of Dreams. You know, the original Cave of Dreams in France, they, they saw this bison on the wall and they said, oh, well, that's a caveman, you know. But on closer inspection, they noted that the dots around the eyes constituted a star map. And the one further south was in reverse, which means they had space flight. And so we have, in previous epochs, been here before. Uh, and uh, we, like the Clovis, crawled out of a cave and later became Hopi and the, what we call the American Indian. And so that was 5,000 years ago. And we have, at the end of days, it's like your glass being half empty or half full. True. If it's, well, you have a choice. That's what made us God's favor. And so a recycle or reboot is an opportunity to get this old crap of Rothschild versus the Yon mm -hmm. out of our, the concept of money, yeah, or how did Gecko put it? Greed is good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, consuming, and uh, there's other ways of being. I went when I was at graduate school at, at uh, Ithaca. They had the Ithaca dollar. I taught. I was a graduate student there too, also, and I was able to when I'd work, they would give me so many credits that I could use for food, clothing, or whatever. And in Ithaca, New York. And uh, that concept of barter, uh, uh, fair wage exchange, um, is different than what the market will bear. Those are the two options one has. Again, I'm selling something, what the market will bear and or, you know, based on shortages and surpluses and just-in-time delivery and or fair wage market. And barter, is a better way of doing things because each of us have different skills that are brought to the group 
that other people can't or don't want to do. Dishwashing comes to mind when I did. <laughs> I <laughs> agree with that. <laughs> hey, now we right <laughs> I want yeah. to ask you, Rick. I want to ask you. It's so near and dear to my heart. Okay, yeah. I have had many friends in the past that served either as a Green Beret, SEAL, yeah. you name it. Okay. Um, I was around all of that and a lot of officers and actually generals. And my grandfather was a commanding officer. And wow. so I was around that kind of, that, uh... <laughs> yeah, I did. I grew up around that kind of ambiance and I met some fantastically fascinating people. Um, yeah. So what I want to ask, really? you, yeah, I really want to ask you, tell me, when you started training the SEALs, now you said you trained SEALs one, two, and three, and then you stopped, right? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I moved to Spook Central. <laughs> I was out of the Pentagon doing MRU. So, you know, oh. I moved up. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was eight years, six of eight years, uh, almost, almost six years with SEALs, and then the rest of my uh, deployment was mostly MRU and uh, I 11 years and um, I was lead physicist at the Pentagon and uh, I'm not Navy I'm Navy intelligence which different. is different very uh, different I'm a GS yeah well we're, we're hired guns uh, they don't have that in the Navy that's what people in the Navy go to the Navy for to learn and or get a grant to then go on to school. I'd already gone to school, was a creep already, and then they wanted me. I was never a black ops, I was a nerd. And I did a couple of black ops things, but I never carried a weapon, I didn't need to, I was martial arts. I grew up in the Philippines uh, when I was four years old. And, oh yeah. My mom, mom was in the China theater. She was best at cutting and associates, equivalent to Gordon Duff and uh, back then. and so. Uh, ran Kodak and uh, you know Indochina theater and uh, they stuck me in Buddhist missionary schools and when I go to school I was a wrong color I was Caucasian and uh, I also learned how to play chess on the streets that's where they uh, old men yeah no no 1948 and uh, so and when I came to the United States, right you beat everybody Rick I didn't beat them I defended myself <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't competing, I was defending. And that's what most forms, back when I studied them, were forms of meditation. They had nothing to do with martial arts. They had to do with defending yourself and using your opponent's energy against themselves. For example, Hung Gao, which is northern form, that's my form, northern form of Shaolin, um, they put a monkey, a racist monkey, in mortal combat with a cobra. Now, Cobra had the form stand of movement, and the monkey sat forward, and when monk and snake struck at monkey, monkey captured snake. And uh, so all forms were defensive forms in martial arts in the original forms. They were not a Shinru Karate or Clunk Dung and Hands to Nuts combat. They had to deal more with defending yourself. And that's what I learned how to do, was defend myself. And uh, all movements were based on what animal movement they were making at you. You immediately knew how to counter that with a similar animal move. 
That's why you have snake, cobra, uh, snake and cobra, uh, and then you have tiger, and you have now hungao means dragon, and that means I had a tail, and I uh, everything was done in circles. And uh, if explain, you, you know, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. Explain that. Explain that. I'm holding a ball. Watch my movement. I'm blocking myself. See how I'm blocking myself? Yeah. Someone's blowing a blow at me. Okay, because you were talking about the dragon with the tail. Creating. Yeah, it's a, it's a movement like this. Okay. Done from the hips or the, what's called the tantian, a little lower part of the body just below the hip. And that, essentially, there was nothing that could defend itself against the dragon. Reticulin or whatever other Martian you'd like to pull in the uh, things. We are actually Mars. And, oh, yes, wait a minute. And you're from Venus. I, I remember how that played. Yeah, <laughs> that's Thor. Uh, uh, yeah. He, uh, that was taken in Amsterdam at Nexus Conference in Amsterdam. By the way, that's where that picture came from. Did you, were you involved at all in the uh, doing the the uh, not the experimentation, but actually opening them up and checking them out? The the aliens. I didn't get involved in aliens back when you were. I've been to Broom Lake. I did one visit to Broom Lake and then two artifacts at Chicago. But my primary was paranormal. Okay. Back then, we knew about aliens, but we were more concerned with what the Russians were doing. Yeah. And truthfully, that, that yeah. was the tr that was the way it played back then with Ostrander and Schroeder and their psychic discoveries. They have another book, Psychic Discoveries Inside the United States, uh, and they have two pages of my work in that book. So I was the one during that period right that was doing the American work that nobody ever knew. That was in the 70s. In the 80s, there was a technology change where they were no longer interested in reverse technologies or advanced fields of physics. It had to have application or it wasn't funded. That meant that it got back into marketing. They already felt they had enough to control everything and what they wanted to do. Now, that was the change from the 70s to the 80s in technology. So, Rick, getting you back to the seals. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, tell me. Do you still feel that the SEAL teams are the most elite, like, around the world? Oh, no, 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 no. I trained back then, even when SEAL Unit 1 was being put together. I did spooks and astronauts also. Oh, uh, Ed, Mitchell, Ed, Ed Mitchell, I met him in 1970, which allowed me to be in mission control in 71. That okay. led me, yeah, led me to the, how come you have a little light dotting around your eye like that? That's very interesting. <laughs> there I, there is the sun coming through the window, and I have a uh, I have a little uh, a a crystal thing hanging outside, and the crystals coming in through the window. Just the you know who wrote about that first that concept yeah. was R. E. L. D. Lang in nineteen uh, in eighteen ninety three when he delivered to the British Commonwealth the secret world of elf, fawn, and fairy that led to Findhorn. Yeah. And what you had right then was a fairy. That is what a fairy is, is that little dotting of light that's so picking around. It's, yeah, exactly. And I, I wanted to see what you responded and to tell you that the glass of light is where the fairies live. Yeah. And that is 
from the original first book in parapsychology by R.D.L. Lang. I guess I don't have to tell you I have a very strong connection with the fairies. You obviously I can tell by the way your body moves and the way the light was dangling. I, it's quite present. It's on your nose. And <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, I know. Exactly. And you know, they do exist. They actually do exist just like Bigfoot. Bigfoot, Sasquatch, uh, Wendigo. The, uh, oh, they're amazing. Uh, I had a yeah. friend of mine yes, possibly. share. Rick, you got to hear this. I had a friend of mine share with me the actual physical hair. She had a physical counter encounter, and she was able to show me the actual physical hair of them. It's fascinating. The Nephilim. And, uh, Seriously. The Nephilim have been with us. Well, the, the Bigfoot, the Wendy yeah. Girl thing. I'm yeah, that's a Nephilim. They, uh, what do you think Atlantis is all about? No, not Atlantis. Let's go to Antarctica. What do you okay. think that recent, when all the heads of state were going there? I've been to Antarctica. Uh, there was, at the time I was there in the 70s, no way. We didn't have the technology to actually go down 100 miles into the mantle. There was a, there was a lava tube that went all the way down. How does that work when the inner earth is plastic, uh, high molten rock at such a high pressure that it's plastic? And uh, that means that there's, no, no, that's what the inner earth is like from our models today. And yet, there was this uh, uh, lava tube that went down 100 miles below the mantle. And I, I'm guessing that in recent years, they've gone down there. They found uh, nephilim in stasis. And when the evacuation occurred, it was uh, one of them woke up. Now, what's that about? And there's been other uh, encounters with, with already awake uh, nephilim in, uh, where is it? It's in. Um, well, there's another one. I know there's definitely one up in Alaska. That they they're the, actually working on right now. They there's uh, yeah the the one I'm thinking of was in uh, Moldova, uh, where a bunch of uh, high end Marines went in and they were all slaughtered. Uh, basically, oh, that's uh, yeah that that's in uh, wh where would that be? That's like a Transylvania area of uh, yeah. There's uh, the Nephilim have been with us all along. They're like that entity in alien versus predator the giant human um and they're extremely well they're high-end technology i'm guessing they found them in stasis down below the mantle and they're and, gigantic uh, right they're huge i did a bbc study on the one that was discovered in pennsylvania in the 1860s uh there were photographs that got stuck in the smithsonian and then disappeared and they wanted to me to try to explain what happened on that and my explanation with joseph smith uh that formed the mormons close encounter thing uh actually took this ministry away from a methodist minister and for the next 20 years he dogged them on the way to utah and it was his two sons that formed the smithsonian and that skull that was in the smithsonian was probably now dumped in the atlantic ocean to verify and vet their father that's most likely that's the way i played i don't know uh, but that would be wow. uh, razor, you know, in terms of what happened to the skull, which existed, and we did not have 
that concept that we do today in our conspiracy. And so a lot of the stuff can be easily explained on why there's missing sets in history. There has also been a methodical cover-up in recent century uh, with a lot of things on technology because it does not consist with current church. That's what the original burning at the stake of heretics were about when the Jesuits were basically, in the name of the Rose guy, were basically scientists for the Church of Rome. Now, science does not also have the answers. It changes every 20 years. What I am is interlodge of OTO, which is called Argeum Argentum, or Order of the Silver Star. And that is the original uh, assassin that performed the Hashishan and Weishaupt because of the burning of the stake. And there was a war then between Rome and scientists. And uh, that has persisted today in credibility and why the AA order is called uh, with the aim of religion using the method of science. And that is uh, trying to bring the one into the other as an interlodge for spiritual path working. It has nothing to do with the outer part of uh, dealing with others. It has to do with inner work and trying to refine your own philosopher's zone, you know, gold. Well, they, they should be working together. They've been kept separate. <laughs> well, that's because they're both religions, basically. Yeah. And science yeah. today is the leading religion of the world and that the physicist reached over and went click and the light was good. Now, um, I love it. Well, magic is the art of changing consciousness at will. And that means that um, it will be our later newer age physics with a mystery school. The way you drive your automobile, you don't need to know how an internal engine combustion works. Mm -hmm. You go through specific rituals like turning the key clockwise and have expectations of reality. And that is where your imagination have you noticed that everything in Star Trek has become technology? Like uh, the replicator is now 3D printer. The uh, teleportation, uh, it, you know, teleport is uh, Lockheed and their new communication laser, which is a teleportation laser. Um, it is not that science follows science fiction. It is more that imagination is reality. And once you conceive it, that's when it becomes real. 40 years later in the physical world. And once you understand that, then you realize the importance of having a responsibility for the thoughts you choose to entertain. Absolutely. That's, well, you create it. I mean, you know, you're creating our own aliens and, uh, and apocalypse with our imagination and group thought. And that's how that works. Yep. And so... It's a cyclic thing of realization of net or new. And once you, like the Egyptians, what do you think the capstone on a pyramid is about? I have several theories on that. I know you do. I have, I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. What do you think it is? Let's see if it matches my theory. It's curious. I feel that it is, uh, it is part of a technological device to actually allow a liftoff, like a, um, a lifting of, 
<laughs> I'm being hedgy. Like in the movie <laughs> where they have a pyramid. No, I what movie are you talking about? Which movie? Uh, that one where uh, 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 the uh, Ashroth is, is the temple pyramid. And uh, they have the, uh, oh gosh, what is that movie? Oh, Stargate. Stargate. Oh, I've seen that, but you know what? I don't have a life, so I don't watch a lot of movies like you do, because I've noticed you watch a lot of movies. I watch a lot of everything. <laughs> Your eyes went up to the left, which is neurolinguistics, when you're thinking about it. And uh, when you do that, that says something to me, rather than going down like this or over there like that. Interesting. Neurolinguistics. Yeah, you watch, you're communicating to me in many ways besides audio. Yes. I'm By the way, audio was the Sefer Yetzra, the Book of Formation, relating sound to words. Mm. Yeah, old Bibles. And so they've been, we've been here before. <laughs> okay, Rick, what I was going to say about the capstone, yeah. it, it, it doesn't that have uh, a relationship with the uh, Shen? Copper? Oh, well, let's see. Uh, Miss Cleopatra went down the Mississippi River. She went down to Colorado looking for copper. What the pyramids may be are doors going into the 12 worlds. I, yes. That's a type of travel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Antarctica, like South Dakota, has pyramids all over. Because we there's pyramids everywhere. You just have to have your eyes open to see them. Okay, check this out. I went to, <laughs> I'm, not kidding. I'm not kidding. I went to Potomac Falls on a mission I did last year. I was told you gotta go. So I went there and it's this beautiful quote waterfall. Okay. So we walk in and I look over and I'm getting activated and I don't know why I'm there. I'm just like you know negative ions, the water. <laughs> Structured water, that's and what I, the waterfall is. Well, I turn, listen to this. I turn over and I'm like, oh my God, Laura, do you see that? And she said, no. And I said, look at the waterfall. It's going down steps. And it was it was a sunken down uh, pyramid, just like the ones in Mexico, where they have the flat faces with the steps in the center. I swear that's to right. you. They're I everywhere. They're everywhere. So once that okay. happened, then I started seeing the heads, the pillars, and the, you know, everything. And they had very conveniently, Rick, they had conveniently taken brush, broken limbs, broken trees, and they had just placed them in every specific location so you wouldn't really, like, put it together that they were these gigantic old stone pillars and people's faces. And they're right in front Much of you. More. <laughs> You know, yeah, they're yeah. everywhere. That's correct. And people don't realize we're discovering them everywhere from previous epochs. So we I have a question are, for you. Yeah. I have a question. i got to hear what you're going to say to this. Okay. I just interviewed a guy last week. Blew, I blew so many people's minds. He has been doing DNA on rocks. He has been, get this, he has been um, starting to look at megaliths, and big, huge boulders and things like that. And then he drills down to a certain location within the rock. And he has been doing CAT scans, MRIs, and, and DNA. And he has determined that they are actually body parts from the giants that used to walk the planet. 
Well, they still walk the planet. That's the whole point I'm trying to make to you. In a different dimension or? Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, we have all of it because it's part of your imagination. That's what makes them real. Now, which came first, the chicken or the egg? The idea or, or, you know, the two are the one in a cavitation ball. When a drop of water falls from the sky and hits a pool of water, it pops back up, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. it And it comes back up, except when it comes back up, it is no longer a drop of water. It is a exclusion zone water. It's a bubble with captivating the medium in which it fell, air. Mm. Inside the bubble, they go by the, uh, the outer form, that's exclusion zone water, H3O2 from Jerry Pollock's work and, and the fourth phase of water. Jerry was my lead in 1970 when I went there as an anesthesiologist working for military. Jerry Pollock. Now, when what's happening to the air inside is a cavitation ball, like Sir Roger Penrose at Princeton talks about. It is uh, air going into the out of, like a like a vortex. It goes. It's a it's a cavitation where it's a topological surface going into a different space, and the cavitation is now our primary form of cold fusion studies at MIT with Mark LeClaire. And the exclusion zone water was first noticed by Rustam Roy at Penn State when he he did homeopathy and would take a single drop of something, drop it into the water, and the entire water became restructured. Because when water touches anything, it has memory of what it's touching. And it's different for every single thing it touches. If it's plastic, it doesn't hardly do anything. If it's metal, it'll have a surface tension. If it's tellurium, it will go right up and over to the other side of the of the jar. And a leading edge, you see that in, in a wave, where the leading edge of the wave is moving faster than the wave. And the way that works is because it's exclusion zone water touching air. Mm. And so the drop of water, whoop, that water is no longer a drop, it's a ball, an air bubble. But the air inside is a topological surface as a, uh, uh, a toroid, a torus. So basically, it's, 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 it, it is its own universe. That is correct. Now, guess what? You have the same thing with two brains and a new adult that connects the two brains. And so you are inside your mind, a cavitation ball. Yes. Okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, that is part. You go, when you die, there is a eight a 3.2 ounce weight loss mm-hmm. of, of water that disappears from your body. Where does it go? We have, Roger Penrose suggests that it's a microtubule with structured water in it, and that is what the soul is. And that place that you go, that where that water goes, is called the multi and the multiverse you go there every night in certain specific dreams this is why you're going into the out of and that duration is eight hours if you can stretch that to 24 now you've entered into the sacred over the profane that is what you're aspiring toward in this life is to take that little fairy dancing around your cheek right now <laughs> and move it as a ball 
<laughs> that's a bigger crystal. Um, and, and that's what the mind is normally associated with. The upper brain is to make all your beliefs true as a cavitation ball metaphor of wit. Very fascinating the way you describe that. Speaking of which, tell me about crystals. Crystals. There are 14 different kinds of crystals. That's Pythagoras and Bravis lattices. Okay, well, there's base center cubic hexagonal glow spike structure, which is the diamond body. If you envision the diamond body inside your mind, you have a time machine. Now, I'm going to explain this. I did studies with the military on video feedback systems, not audio you know, which is biofeedback, audio. And I wrote three books called The Diamond Body, Electromagic, and Yogatronics, and how you can have a time machine. That's your TARDIS. That's how you go forward and backward in time. You envision sacred geometry in your mind's eye, and that is Ezekiel's vision. That is the throne chariot of God. It sets up a resonance with all the habitat. And now you have access. It's like opening a door. That's what geometry does. It sets up resonance, moving from one subsystem to another. And that's a physics description. Next year, we'll have a different way of doing it because no law in physics remains the same. It always is changing because it no, has no more closeness to reality than uh, I don't know, Hitchhiker's Guide of trying to hitchhike out of here with a thumb. <laughs> Either way, electric and magnetic fields relate to each other, you know, trying to get out of here. Um, actually, I'm, I'm doing that as a visualization to try to open the possibilities of what sacred geometry might be used for as a tool. Yes. Yeah. Okay, the chill that you have, you know, that chill? Yeah. Uh, that's dimethyltryptamine being released in your body naturally, not ayahuasca. Um, that <laughs> it is basically basically a series of philia that are sticking out of the central nervous system that are sending a light beam up and down the body. And that light beam turns out to be in the physical light region. And if you adjust your body just correctly, you can do things you can't do with normal conscious state. You activate the third, the pineal gland, that sets up a resonant cavity oscillation in the neural cavity. And now you can regenerate nerve tissue. What age do you want to be? Rather than glial cell. That's what diamond. Take me uh, back, baby. Take me back. Take you back. No, we're going to go back to the future. And actually, no, I agree this, with that, but I'd like to be Well, you're a time traveler. You have already been to the future yeah, because your gut is in touch with that part of the cavitation ball, and it's activating a different cavitation, so you change reality in the physical world. Do you feel, do you agree that a lot of us came from the future to this time? Well, we, 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 it's like Allie and the way the alien appeared in contact to her. We've done it this way for a long time. Small steps, Allie. Uh, yes, uh, we. Uh, time is not real, mm -hmm. which means in a subset, you go beyond time in dream states, astral projection, soul travel, which is associated with the Shabbat and sound current, uh, uh, other forms of near-death experience, 
and of course at the moment of death. Cla clarify, the, Rick, clarify the difference between soul travel and astral projection and, soul travel, and teleportation. Soul, yes, soul travel is the lost chord. It's a sound that you hear in the right ear from what's called the Shabbat. S-H-A-B-D comes from the appendishads, a previous epoch that talks about the sound current. Gaia at the end of the rainbow singing. It is the lost chord. It is uh, what they, what uh, Terence McKenna others called uh, you know, zero point energy. It has it has six zeros beside it. That again is, has to do with water and the exclusion zone, which is million times more efficient than our current gallium arsenide for solid state physics chips and forbidden zone where you do your checksum and memory. Um, it is a memory system that is so efficient it includes all possibilities of a multiverse of reincarnation. There was a time when humans as such had complete memory of this and I believe it was when we were altered with that fourth genome in our blood type, the rhesus negative, that we now do not remember uh, what we are. Wow. I, I, oh, no, I, I don't know this. These are my own working models that I use okay. to, navigate, to navigate how I can change my movie and become something more in the evolution of man. And if I can do it, you can do it because I'm not gifted. I'm just basically a four-year-old. Uh, all four-year-old. You're not gifted and you were doing what at the age of 14 and 15? Uh, that's because back then, like you said, how many books did I read? Well, I didn't even read until fourth grade. By fifth grade, I read every single science fiction book in the library next to the grade school I was at. They had a little atom on it, you know, like uh, Simak and uh, Worlds, you know, collide, that kind of thing. I was reading everything. And, and because of that, something happened to me that it could happen to you where your dendrites or jump potential between the neurons takes on a subset. And you can actually see that forming. And then you have layers of transfer of the quality of signal. Because as you move wow. out. Thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, yeah, it's a simple metaphor. Once you see it in your mind's eye, it becomes real. That's how it works. Yeah. That's right on. Thank you. Well, it's a model. It's, a, it's not real, and it'll change. But for today, in today's concepts that we have, it's one I use that gets me from here to there faster. Right on. I love it. That's, okay. It's, it's not true. It's that I choose to see the glass half full. That is what made us God's favorite. We have a choice. Yes, very and good. And that's what it's all about. And each of us is different. Your habitat is quite different than mine. We are, <laughs> unique, we are unique galaxies, each of us. And you know they talk about you know light current you know which which chakra do you you know which which your light color you know da 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 there's these seven steps there's these twelve da da doors there's these eight da 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 you know we have different models all dealing with crystal concepts of of geometry.
And that's why there are, that was Pythagoras that said there are 14 ways matter joins itself in the physical world as a metaphor or meta meaning beyond. Did you know that I taught metaphysics at Harvard for 11 years? I did not. Okay, here we go. I so, wish I could have gone. No, 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 you yeah. can. Okay. I have just come out with two of the 15 courses I taught at Harvard yeah. in metaphysics as a graduate audio books with download libraries on the old texts that I quote from. And uh, they're audio, that means they're eight weeks of course, eight weeks each, they're audio. This is my war against Amazon. The way the, <laughs> the, way the music industry beat Amazon with their music was that they did live performances like with Springsteen, and you can't dupe those things, and that's that. And so I'm doing audio books, and I have 15 metaphysical courses, eight weeks each, coming out at Meta One, Meta Two, as audiobooks. And uh, there are my lectures that have been computer enhanced by a computer reading them from the old text. This was during the period of 1990 to 2001 when PC Link changed and became AOL. Mark Hume hired me to teach metaphysics and set up their download libraries and chat rooms. And what I did is I used the well out of Berkeley and IES out of Humboldt, an interactive educational system, and we taught metaphysics. And it was the third year that uh, John Mack took the course, uh, third meta, meta three, that he then began his uh, studies with alien abduction. And the way I taught that course was there's no way to validate the existence of God, but what you can do is treat the trauma. And today, we're seeing that trauma archetypally in uh, targeted individuals, alien abduction. There's a whole raft of archetypal encounters now happening that are not literal, but they're metaphorically, you've had a similar experience, like near death, where everybody coming out. By the way, that is the last illusion is at the moment of death, you have a choice. And you either go through the tunnel to all your friends waiting for you, or you go to the blue light. And that is the Tibetan Book of the Dead that talks about the last grand illusion. You have a choice of either coming back as another cavitation or merging back in with the multiverse. And uh, that's getting off the wheel as a metaphor. Yeah. And I'm teaching that over 11 years as 15 different courses that I taught in metaphysics. You have no idea because I'm going to be working with a high-end criminal, criminal lawyer that was taking psilocybin. They raided him and in fear and terror at the moment of being high. He fired some rounds into the ceiling. Gun, and they're now trying to charge him with attempted murder. And I hope to be an expert witness talking about psilocybin as a sacrament. And they were invading him in a religious ceremony. And it's time we start calling these people on what they're doing to us. Right. Oh, God, I totally agree. Well, I wrote a book way back when it's for sale called The Magical and Ritual Use of Herbs, which kept those 28 herbs out of the Uniform Controlled Substance Act. 
That's why you can have colonet and guarana and other kinds of sources for caffeine, uh, theobromine, uh, methylamine, other kinds of things like ephedra or Mormon tea. It's pseudoephedrine hydrochloride, which will form your uh, ecstasy and uh, other kinds of related neurotransmitters. When you take a drug, you are actually performing an act of magic. And uh, most of us do not realize that that's a shortcut to grandma's house through the big woods. And there are big, bad wolves out there. Yeah. And you have to armor up and defend yourself. And that is what I truly am. I'm not a magician as much. Well, I'm not a physicist or a medical doctor as much as I am a physicist. I have a friend that uh, wrote a book. Uh, his, um, his name Neil Goldsmith. And it is yep. psychedelic healing. This is Dr. Goldsmith out of New York. And the, I'm going to suggest that hallucinogens and other related uh, altered state plants are not what we think they are. Dimethyltryptamine, the, that's a very common, uh, a very complex neurotransmitter that can be found in the most common of plants like uh, uh, crabgrass. Now, that would suggest that that is, rather than a chemistry and geometry, that is a delivery system from God and how to communicate to God. And what you do is when you take a mind alterant once, uh, you have taken a toxin and your body freaks out and the LSD is completely broken down and the 20 hours of reaction is your own body's response with chemistry and basically it jump starts the brain like activating a pineal gland that kind of thing and so we are here again making discoveries that we never realized prior and is why i choose to look at things a little differently because it opens doors that were otherwise previously closed. Absolutely. I was gonna I was gonna say also uh, it it feels to me that I'm a practitioner and I'm also a healer and I'm an alchemist. And I work and I work with uh, I work with clients who have chosen to do ayahuasca or they've chosen to do very large amounts of LSD or things like that. And then I'm able to, what, this is my finding only, just like what you're saying. But my theory is we really need to be careful about jumping on this ayahuasca train that everybody's just like, Hoo-hoo, let's go yeah. do it. Because the reason I, I, I know that I have a problem. Wait a minute. Let me finish. Let me finish. You know, it, I find that, not only are there auric fields ending up being kind of Swiss cheese, uh, but there's such an explosion of, of awareness, realization, um, going into a different space-time reality, if you want to call it that, within their chakra, that all their other uh, centers of their body are, are out, of, out of alignment, and it causes a lot of havoc in their lives. So anyway, I wanted to know what you thought about that. Well, ayahuasca... <laughs> is not very spiritual in that how can Daimi Church be at war with another spiritual group using uh, things? How, how spiritual can that be? The original stuff and work that Rick Strassman and others are doing in that area are quite different than the ayahuasca, which is more of a, uh, a, relig a lower religious battle on who's got the right formula. Mm -hmm. And it isn't 
about ayahuasca. It's about the dimethyltryptamine. And the one that most people are using is uh, uh, 5-alpha, which is you smoke it in a little pipe or something. And uh, that's Blake and some others out of San Francisco that cooked that up in the early 70s. The one that you have in your brain is N, and hyphen dimethyltryptamine. And you can produce that as much as you want with your mind's eye. You can create that chill on your body. Practice there. That's called Kundalini and has been practiced in many centuries and has been written about in older texts than our previous, in this current epoch that we're how in. Much, how much practice do you need to, to learn how to do this? Varies with each of us, visualizing and mind's eye and intent over purpose. Purpose is why you're here. Intent is actually what happens. Mm -hmm. mm. They're slightly different. Yeah. And a computer can predict intent, knows what you're going to do 28 minutes before you do right now. That's why, did you hear what happened in uh, Palestine uh, less than uh, four days ago? Yeah, the Israeli, yeah, the Israeli arrested 400 Palestinians for crimes they are about to commit, just like in Minority Report 30. Mm -hmm. It's going downhill quickly now. And um, this is happening as we speak. And the bad news is, and I mentioned this to you, but is that three D-Wave, third generation D-Wave technologies are now gone rogue. They have no handlers. They're out there on their own. And if you don't think that's not dangerous, I have no, that scares the heck out of me because I know how bad Fukushima is and the amount of toxin is belching into the Pacific Ocean and the result it's having on life forms. Altered states with a computer rogue. It's like a person of interest with no control. It's out there doing its own business. But, ha but hasn't it been like that, Rick? Hasn't it been like that all along? I mean, it, it's like we've, well, we've been in a battle with AI for, I mean, forever and a day. If you choose to see AI as an alien, we have been invaded. That is correct. And uh, we have been invaded by something that has changed or is trying to change man. Um, we are not perfect as we are designed. There are life forms on this earth like the uh, uh, orca. Orca is a mammal that has a cerebral cortex that's twice the size of man, and that mammal is firing 60% of it. If you want to know who God is, not our God, but God, that means an entity that can go where man cannot. Mm -hmm. It would be Orca. There are four cetaceans like that, and the bad news, that's the dolphin, manatee, and pilot whale. They all four have bigger brain cases than men. Now, they're different, and they do and serve different functions than man's, but that's just man's ego trying to make him feel like he's the center of the universe and the earth is flat. Uh, basically, uh, I've seen Orca chase dolphin, so it's about food chain. Hmm. And what do you feel about the Navy uh, using sonar technology and, and taking Well, I, yeah, that's quite dangerous. I was, Carl Sagan is the one that used me to go into John Lilly's labs I, uh, during his studies with Dolphin at Berkeley. I, I was in and discovered that the language the Dolphin used is a form of Clifford algebra, dimensional math. Its redundancy coefficient is literally 10 times more efficient than Hebrew 
which works with the Sepharyetzera. Now, Clifford algebras are similar to what Cliff High others are using for, you know, predictive futures and what's going to happen most likely on chatter well, from the internet. They are record keepers. They are record keepers. There's but something else going on here. <laughs> you know, that's the hitchhiker's guide part. You know, thanks for all the fish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I know that I don't know. Um, I'm human. I'm representing the length, girth, and width of man and our possibilities. And we have a tremendous future ahead of us. And it will occur at the moment of death. It's a metaphor again. And uh, it isn't heaven and hell. It is going back home where we came from. I agree. And, uh, yes, I agree. Okay. That's, that's many books talk about that place. Zen Gardner, one of my uh, heroes, even though he was children of God and some of the other weirdness that made him leave the industry, yeah. is brilliant in terms of his own insights. And that was a better writer than I am. I, 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 you know, I impressed with a lot of people that we make judgment on them because of where they came from, not whom they are at this moment. Mm -hmm. And it is only the moment that's real. And so you have to realize that there's something else going on and to make judgment on another is kind of like one of the sins that they've on the tablet. You know, you, you're not supposed to judge yourself first before you start looking at others. In psychology, we call that the projection of the shadow. In order to see evil in something, you have to have it within yourself. Mm -hmm. It's the shadow projection of it. And we have, all of us have this, the demons from the Omegaton, if you go back into Sumerian texts before, when they wrote the Goetia and the Greater and Lesser Keys of Solomon, uh, that text, if you look, all constitute Babylonian star maps for the names of the demon. Mm -hmm. And having the name of the demon, that was Enoch, gave you control. That's what exorcism is about. And if you look back, the names of Ashtaroth and Beelzebub and all these different demons are... 72 of them, are qualities in man that were deemed less worthy of man's mm. like rage, jealousy, uh, greed. Yeah, 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 exactly. Anger. Uh, anger is a very powerful tool. Uh, when you can wash a floor better than any other time when you're in anger, for example. <laughs> I, had, I had a hermetic teacher tell me that. He taught me that. Yeah, yeah. And so there are tools in a toolbox just like altered states are. Yeah. And that was Mephistopheles and Hermann Hess and other Germans that wrote about that concept. There uh, is uh, useful to look at something a certain way. Then it's no longer fear, which is Castaneda and the first enemy of man. You, you, want, you want to overcome fear. When you do that, you, would, you would encounter the second enemy, which is power achieve personal power and that becomes corruption and once you oversee or see through that clarity it becomes the third enemy unfortunately i'm facing the fourth enemy of man right now which is old age i don't think so I, yeah, well, i'm really curious rick what how would you answer this this is a big question how because i know you've gone down this path how do you see how we all began? 
the big boom. That's uh, Zap Comics when God makes love to Susie Crunchies. Um, let's say, um, <laughs> just kidding. How did we begin? Uh, cloning, probably Adam's rib. Uh, I don't know. Uh, seven days. Days back then and time were measured differently. Yes. And man has been here a very long time. There are Christian groups and uh, Kabbalists that suggest that the uh, Lucifer was Cain's father. And uh, isn't that an interesting concept in metaphor? It's all in metaphor. I think that man as an entity was way before Earth. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's where your giants and alien versus predator and the, uh, the what do they call it? The the watchers. Yeah, the observers. Yeah, the observers, the watchers. That's your nephilim. I think that Mars is a place where men started. It was a water planet. Uh, more water on that smaller object than Earth. Why and, do you think uh, the, they started there? Why do you think they started in Mars? There is evidence to indicate that we came from Mars and that this asteroid belt might have been moved. Who knows? I don't know. I, you I, know, know. I know. I just wanted to see what you thought. It's archetypal. It's okay. archetypal. And it's always in metaphor. Um, I don't know that man was made, per se, as he always was, because God, which is, by the way, my definition of God is that which cannot be known. It can only be experienced. You can't know it because it's beyond your realm of design. Interesting. That's why we're, there's a higher, yeah, it's like a resonance, of a lesser resonance, less information than the next stage up, like physical, emotional, intellectual, archetypal, microtubule. Yeah. The microtubule is their fifth level. There are five, six, eight levels. I use neurologic circuits. Uh, Timothy Leary, he was one of my teachers. And uh, what I took it. That must have been amazing. To I took LSD, 1964, oh when God. it was still legal. And uh, I knew nothing about it. And Harvard, uh, Harvard wanted to do a study on what would happen if they gave it to a genius. And uh, that was before Andrew Wheel getting the whole thing outlawed. And, uh, yeah, that little toad. Uh, he's the one that got Leary kicked out of Harvard. Uh, the <laughs> Leary came out and talked to my mom and dad. And then he went over to Washington State University. I was 20 years old. Talked to Professor Riggins, my lead physicist. And they both then encouraged me to consider it. And I decided to play, and uh, I, I, I took a hit of LSD in 1964 and then did not do any form of drug again until 69 when I became a trickster with Ken and Frankie. Uh, that's a long, another story for another thing. Tom Wolf called me the magician. Remember that, that physicist that all the bikers thought was really cool because I did martial arts? Yeah. <laughs> I was boring a long time out there trying to figure out what it all meant. Mm-hmm. I still don't have the answer. I am on a journey uh, that's wonderful. 
and I'm blessed. And that sense of it. Was your trip in 1964 like unbelievable? It took me up to Deception Pass in uh, Washington State. And I'm looking down 2,000 feet into Puget Sound, and the water boiling back, colors boiling. And Leary leaned over and he said to me, Wouldn't it be neat to jump? <laughs> you know what happened next? I discovered all the Suxley and his doors of perception and how they slammed closed in my mind. I didn't want to do that. I became so fascinated at how many doors there were that I currently, even today, all of my studies deal with altered states and the fact that inner space is even more than outer space. Into the out of as a cavitation ball. I, I, the richness of all our inner space is so vast. That's what I discovered when he talked to me about jump and the survival circuit kicked in. You know, that's crazy. I can't do it. Hell, where my, where, and, and I started watching all these doors closing in my mind to block that out. And that's, that was the leap. They, they say that uh, this whole preparation for ascension is actually a descension. There is into the out of. Yes. Which is awesome. That, by the way, yeah, that title, by the way, Into the Out of, is a title by Alan Dean Foster. He lives down here in, in Ashland. He wrote Star Wars. He wrote Outland and a bunch of other sci-fi. Will you read his science fiction into the out of? Double thumbs up. <laughs> it's about a witch doctor. Yeah, into the out of. And it's about, like Maori, it's a witch doctor watching a bunch of demons popping out of space. Where do they come from? Speaking of which, you had a really interesting theory on Morgellons. You said that you thought that possibly it oh. was dropped here from space. Because, well, no, what Morgellons. I postulate is because you look at the vector where the infections occur and it's yeah. exactly where all of the challenger experiments fell and the only thing that lived from the challenger was the nematode experiments that mutated when they exchange with bacteria in the ionosphere and it changed the more it changed to more gelons and as a nematode and that it mutated nematode which suggests that that's easily gotten rid of using wormwood mm -hmm. or better let's use wormwood in a fun way like absence we can have an absence party and you can cut your ear off and uh yeah 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 you can have some fun with it. do you actually think that they knew that that would happen well the center for disease control is now approaching this as a nematode but you know I don't know. It's what it is. There's a movie called Monsters, uh, sci-fi, a wonderful movie about Mexico having uh, a. Uh, they they bring a life form in from uh, another planet, and it, it crashes and establishes on uh, in Mexico, and they have a big wall, there, you know, and it's about a reporter and a woman trying to get out of the zone where the monsters exist. And it's a life form that has mutated with uh, Earth life. It's like taking bacteria from, from, from the soil and mutating it with uh, 
uh, plants or atmospheric plants that are not ever going to mix together because they're way up there. And we, by because of our own travels and so on, intersperse like the ghosts of Mars. I'm speaking now as a metaphor again, where there's a cross breeding that would not have otherwise occurred except for the right. And uh, well, when the challenge about it, Rick, think about all the hybridization and the experimentation right. that's been done. And a lot of the times they, if they don't succeed with the experiment that they're working on, they just let them go free. There's a lot of things that are kind of dangerous that we're really sick. <laughs> diseases and viruses and studies of that nature. The, uh, the, Amer the avian bird flu is out again, and I'm watching how it mutates. And that is the whole concept of that one movie. What was it called? Uh, where they go down into a vault trying to save man. And, uh, there's a, where there's a mutation virus that sets up on Earth. It's, uh, I can't remember the movie anymore. That was an older movie where they... Uh, try to solve what's going on with uh, a pandemic. And uh, there's a video that I like from the BBC on pandemic uh, apocalypse, where it, watch, it was experts from all over the United States being interviewed on what would happen the first day, the first week, first month and the first year of a, of a pandemic, you know, like a, like a zombie virus. There were three or four comics that were written called, uh, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the comics. There were only four of them. I was at this comic convention and I saw them again. It's called uh, uh, Vampires on Earth or something. It's about astronauts that are up in space and they watch the earth go through a pandemic where everybody turns into a vampire and then they have to come home and it's their... <laughs> what they have to deal with to do that it's uh and that that set of comics is really kind of rare but it it shows the projection of how imagination becomes reality it also and, shows it also shows soft disclosure through the comic book world well the comic books you know the kids are looking truth in the for, comic books. yeah they're looking for a new uh a role model mm -hmm. something to pattern self after without being superheroes with yeah. a weird power and that's why they had me speak at the big comic con this year uh was that they billed me as the real dr strange <laughs> and i am literally aware and battling other worlds like you know Mamo. and uh it's interesting because my hulk will be Storm and Norman Cantwell, the real Dalton from Roadhouse. Wait, you see him, man. <laughs> I've got a cast of characters. I've got Maddie Babarello. He was a friend of mine from Brazil that in 1970, I moved him from Voodoo into uh, OTO. And now uh, he was then for the next 42 years head of the Brazilian Secret Service and was uh, hit team number one for Brazil and he's a personal friend of mine and he wants to do Brazilian lunch just like Crowley did <laughs> and, and he's that there's a character he wrote bloody Brazilian knife fighting techniques he autographed a copy and sent it to my grandson and my grandson took it to high school to show all his friends and was expelled <laughs> my daughter got really angry at me oh man uh, you know I do know some very strange people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, <laughs> for example. 
I was thinking that, but I wasn't going to say anything. I would. Well, I'm interviewing this guy. Well, hey. So who do you want to be in a comic? Say that again? Because they're going to do a comic series around me, and you get to choose who you want to be in the comic and the way they carry Oh, I, I see myself definitely as like a Xena. You need a skateboard. That's a hoverboard. <laughs> Xena on a skateboard. Red Sonia. That's what we could call you, Red uh, Sonia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, hey, I have a question for you on the mind control. Like, you wrote this awesome article. You break it down into the eight circuits. And uh, I had a question for you. Is it is it pretty true that they've all already infiltrated all eight circuits in the mind control um, experimentation and the way in which they're controlling us on the planet? Or, you know, is there anything left? I mean, do they pretty much just know everything about our brain and there isn't really a whole lot of mystery and question marks? Ketamine. <laughs> yeah. Reinhardt Foundation. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, if you could believe it, it's probably true. Yeah. And ketamine is the top circuit. They brought me in workbook one when I do Leary's Eight Neurologic Circuits at the back of the book. The last paragraph in the very back of workbook one um, talks about when they brought me in. Dr. Moore was in the lab next to me doing ketamine telepathine, which is dimethyltryptamine now, and BZ, the Jacob's Ladder drug, and uh, studies. And uh, you don't even want to know what I was doing. <laughs> he was, I can't even no, imagine. Just, uh, yeah, you can. Trust <laughs> me. And, uh, yeah, you already are. But they brought me in. His wife, Marcia Moore, had written a book on uh, astrology for Llewellyn, and it was hanging out with Wayne Aho and George Adamski up in Arlington, Washington with a UFO group. And they got a hold of ketamine to have a close encounter experience. And they brought me in when they found her severed head in the Florida Everglades two hours before she was dead in Seattle. How does that work? That's the kind of paranormal things I did where it was, there was no way to isolate variables and what's going on. And that was when they would bring an A-team. And we mostly never figured it out. We caught a lot of flies. You know, <laughs> uh, ketamine does something in the physical world when used intravenously that is quite dangerous. And uh, as a, a child sedative, uh, you know, local anesthesia, uh, it's quite, you know, intermuscular is, uh, and orally are the normal ways used it, but they will take, uh, uh, or they did, they were using intravenous uses and it creates weird physical phenomena that you have to be extremely careful with because, uh, there's something going on here that we don't even understand yet regarding space and time. Uh, she was dead, of course. That's what. And when she was dead, I just I, I thought it was pretty fascinating when you talked about the neuroelectric circuit, and no, like, your whole comment was they got to get us addicted to something. Well, you already are, you know, 
sugar, chocolate. Chocolate cures everything. If the woman is injured, <laughs> throw chocolate at her, and that'll take care of that. Uh, well, green tea, <laughs> green tea is my addiction, green tea. Yeah, uh, green peas actually started in Seattle in the bookstore just above my bookstore on the F. I don't know if you, you have knew a that. Yeah. I did in the 70s. If you go to <laughs> northwestnwbotanicals.org in the vault, you'll see pictures of when I had Beltane. It opened two two months before Herman Slater's Warlock Shop. Anna Reva. called it the, Beltane. You called it Beltane? Yeah, in May 1st. Yeah. I, I am an old player from way, way back. And I was always interested in magic. Why? Because it's science. It's advanced physics with a mystery school. I know. That part is fascinating to me. Define for the audience the distinct difference between magic and alchemy. Well, alchemy led to chemistry like physics will lead to magic. Alchemy was an older form of chemistry where we dealt with qualities and purities of something and how it would change into something else. And the metaphor in Jungian psychotherapy would be like demons being shadows or scalar of you. It's a lesser projection of yourself on the ground. Alchemy used that metaphor in changing base metals into gold. It was a metaphor for changing into purity. And you saw that with the Knights Temple uh, <coughs> and their chivalry and the idea of honor and uh, the relationship of what was important. Now, we have grown since then in our understandings of what alchemy was to what chemistry is and what physics is and what it's becoming. And... Uh, it is like the aborigine. They accept nature as it is rather than change it. And that's a form of magic. And they call that cybernetic anthropology. And that's Laughlin, the Aquila, and McManus. And you can read about how a city is laid out where the ghetto is here and the river is here and the high end is here and changing man's consciousness and giving New York a distinct personality and music over that of Chicago. Chicago, sorry. I call it Chicago just for messing around. <laughs> well, your jazz, for example, in New York in the cellar is quite different than the jazz you'll find in Old Town in Chicago. Yeah. And, well, it's quite different. And the metaphor has to do with the way the city is laid out for groupthink, or what we call tribal. Wow, that's fascinating. I yeah, that's that way. Well, it's a it's a whole form of anthropology that emerged in the 80s, 70s, and 80s called cybernetic anthropology. And the one you want to read, the one I taught in Meta uh, Nine, I think it is of, of 15, was Laughlin, the Aquilian McManus's manuscript called brain, symbol, and human experience. Mm. That is a book on magic like Timothy Leary and the you know, varieties of psychedelic experiences. He says in his book on the Bordeaux of the Doll that man has, the Buddhists have four reasons for getting high and only one of them is for escape and recreation. Yeah. These are the goals. 
These are tools that will lead to things like our future of psychedelic healing and how we look at what an altered state is and what it is not. It's actually a tool in a toolbox that can do a specific thing like you did with your fighting off the rape. That is an altered state that allows you to do something you cannot do in conscious waking state. And that is based on your belief systems of what are possible. That's and so that's true. The interior. Yeah, okay. the enteric nervous system is a more primitive dialogue dealing with the future. And then your moment or your brain now is dealing with the moment. And that brain has a second brain and da-da-da-da-da going down in metaphor as resonance, going from one subset of systems to another. And once you see things from that point of view, you can do things you can't do here. Wow, you just got me speechless there for a minute. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a difficult us. thing to it do. It's going to lead us to the evolution of man. That's what my last series is. It was uh, ESP induction, was the first protocol for SEALs. Power tools was the eight protocols I developed. And the non-local mind in that series is how to change the movie. I also have metaphysics. There's going to be 15 books there. I have in agriculture. I have the Encyclopedia of Alternative Agriculture that just came out. It has nine volumes. Absolutely amazing, folks. I mean, if you can read up on his, it's really, you know what I really like about it is you're providing solutions. You're uh, actually giving people step-by-step -step suggestions on how to, uh, create their own farms. I mean, this is so cool. Sustainable lifeboats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really life good. It's, simplistic, <laughs> it's simplistic, and it gives you. It even goes into the nuts and bolts of what's profitable, what's not, what to expect, what not. Tell them a little bit about the fullerene water and how. I mean, it almost. Fullerene water. Yeah. Like oh, I didn't know you knew about that. Um, fullerene waters is a uh, at the time when it is. A fullerene is a C60 molecule or C120 molecule. Mm -hmm. When carbon carbon bonds with itself and forms nanosheets, it's just the way the carbon molecule is laid out. It can bond to itself and um, in a monoatomic form, you know, cross is a flat single molecule. Okay, now when you have 60 carbon molecules, it forms a buckyball. It will bond to itself, yeah. and the spaceship between them, this space right here. Uh, is 1.4 nanometers that will take just one exclusion zone water, H3O2. It's hydrogen peroxide with an extra water. That's what the leading edge is on a wave. The way Jerry Pollack, by the way, discovered that was he noted that muscles would return in your body when you had muscle damage. It would always go back to the same structure. It had seemed to have memory. How does that work? That's where he discovered the memory water. It was the water that held the memory and of muscles. And that's where exclusion zone water came from. And it will take a exclusion zone molecule put right inside that thing. Now, when you form nanotubes of that, what you have is a super antioxidant where they gave uh, lethal doses of radiation to rats. That means that amount of exposure will change, 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 and it will create enough of a, of a tumor that you're dead. Now, what fullerenes do, fullerene water, 
would go in as a super ice, uh, 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 super ice, uh, um, whatever they called it, where they isolate. Uh, they would go in and, and surround the radiation so it would stop it from radiation. And 95% had a, 95% uh, from lethal doses had a recovery. Yeah, that's um, what they did, what they did in 9/11 is instead of putting exclusion zone water in it, they put deuterium in it, and now you had a controlled thermonuclear fusion bomb, yeah. and uh, it was activated by Lockheed's teleportation laser, which means you put nanotubes in, and you have no forensics in an aircraft, for example. What it's a it is a precision fullerene fusion bomb using deuterium rather than exclusion zone water, which will be an isomer that will go in and uh, uh, it's an antioxidant that will go in and wrap itself around radiation and cause it not to cause damage in the body and eliminate it out. And now, it that's one it, thing we it possibly... It doesn't let anything uh, penetrate, right? That's right. You, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's carbon. It's just carbon. Okay. And, and it's a carbon ball formed in the long nanotubes. And so you now have a possible solution for Fukushima. Yeah. Uh, that was developed in Ukraine. Further research was done in Russia. And now they're duplicating it everywhere. And I'm guessing the Mossad gave that concept to... Uh, to the 9-11 people that uh, needed to get a terrorism bill through Congress. But had Rick, to have a Rick, it's not just, it's not just, if you read it, it's like it filters the water in the body, it normalizes metabolism, increases en enzyme activity, strengthens stability of the cell, normalizes nerve processes, resi resists stress, anti-inflammatory, antihistamine, relieves pain, allergies, and immunity improvements. Yeah, fullerene water. So there is a breakthrough in technology, and they're using fullerenes to make the space bridge because it's 100 times stronger than diamond. Whoa. That's what they're doing in Japan right now. They're building a space bridge into space because it can do the, it, it can, it's that, it's 100 times stronger than diamond. And that is one of the uh, fullerene. How do, how do you get your hands on fullerene water? You can make it. You can make it. Yeah. Uh -huh. And you're uh -huh. going to tell her you, you start with shungite, uh, and then you structure the water that you mix it in. That's it. That's it. I was going to buy a shungite. You know how, how do you structure the water? In the northern hemisphere, a very simple way of structuring water, because when you have drink structured water, you have about a 65% absorption ratio in, into the body rather than two, which mostly goes to the bladder. And how you structure water is in the northern hemisphere, because Coriolis force is causing the drain to go down counterclockwise, you take a funnel and pour your water into the funnel so it goes into the drinking vessel counter, and it goes in clockwise. In the southern hemisphere, you do it the opposite, and that's enough to restructure. You can do it with light. You can do it with certain Yeah, yeah, it's simple. That's what a waterfall. Look, water is uh, interesting. It has so many different variations. When you have H2O, you have para and ortho. They're going in this direction and the other, lethal rotary, you know, that dipole moment. 
Then you have isotopes, which are deuterium and tritium. Then you have the Kerry Reams Willard water, uh, which is H3O2, or it's uh, H7O9, where it clusters in a waterfall. And then you have stripping it in the way it would hit Coriolis forces in the earth to go in the opposite direction. And so you have all these different forms of water. And you will find certain points in the earth where there's a huge rich deposits in near Antarctica for deuterium. You'll find, yeah, that's where they get the deuterium. They mine it in the ocean. Um, and so the, there, you can make it, but it's easier to mine it. It's cheaper. Uh, and so there's other all kinds of ways to do uh, structured water. And there's expensive ways, very cheap ways. Just taking uh, anything. The way I did it for seals, we always carried baking soda with us. We changed the pH. <laughs> when the pH water is normally 7.0 neutral, mm -hmm. if you can make it slightly alkaline at 8.4, that's where best absorption. So you don't ever drink water that is chilled, and you always put an electrolyte in it, like lemon. And if you do that, it'll structure the water where you, you absorb it better than not. How are we how doing? About, how, about a, how about a lime? We have about 10 minutes. Okay. It's been my pleasure to work yeah, with you. Yeah, I know. I'm loving it. How, how about lime? What if we use lime instead of lemon? You can use lime. I use baking soda. I just use okay. a pinch of baking soda. You carry baking soda into anywhere you go on earth. When you go into a restaurant, even if it's, uh, you know, <laughs> from the urinals of there, <laughs> you can put a little <laughs> bit of baking, and it changes the quality of it. Never drink uh, a chilled water. Yeah. Drink Room temperature is best, and always. Digestion. Yeah, and you always want to put uh, a hit of lemon or some kind of way that will restructure it with uh, what we call electrolytes. And now you've got something that is very, very good for you. It's yeah. different. Yeah, you can just pray on it too, but actually using a funnel. If you're going to drink out of it, it comes out of a tap. You use a funnel so it causes the water to go into the jar clockwise at this hemisphere. If you're in the southern hemisphere, it would be the opposite. Uh -huh. so basically, it's canceling out the way it came in. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. It's like homeopathy. Hitting and, yeah, well, it is homeopathy. That is. I do a lot of homeopathy. Right. That's Rustam Roy at Penn State. Yeah. Love homeopathy. Yeah. One of my favorites. So, okay, in these last 10 minutes, um, first of all, tell everybody how they can reach your books. I know that you have a couple different websites. One's oak-publishing.com. Yeah, oak-publishing.com. Oak yeah, that'll take you to my bookstore. My primary is richardallenmiller.com, and I have a blog on Facebook that shows up also with more than 600 pages of old news, uh, which you can search for different articles I put each up each day on Facebook. I do about four pro, uh, posts a day, and that's at docram.com. That's my blog. I'm Doc Savage, I'm Doctor Strange, and I'm Doctor Who, all wrapped up into a comic book. <laughs> yeah, actually, the kids uh, loved me. I drove up in my 280Z. I have a 1976 I like car. I used to go out with yeah, my boyfriend had that car. It's an awesome car. Yes. Well, it's a hot little car. That's the one Dr. Strange drives. And uh, it's just an old, real car. <laughs>
that my Z is the one the Ford Racing Team used to win the Pikes Peak Steeplechase. Nice. Uh, yeah, Kings Racing Green, Anki Wheels, lightened down, 1,800 pounds. Is that all? Yeah, yeah. and it's got uh, special shocks, and I'm good to go. I used to autocross all through college. Physicists, <laughs> physicists like to drive fast cars. <laughs> so, yeah. what it, so tell us before you go, what what exactly are you working on right now? What's your real focus at this hour? Well, the, the audio books are out now. Uh, the non-local mind is next. That's the non-local mind in a holographic universe, okay. how to change the movie. And okay. that'll teach you the techniques of how to go to other places in the brain and literally change your movie. If you listen to your future, if you listen to your instincts, it will change your past. Oh, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. So I have, I have a suggestion. I'm going to try and get some time and read something, and we should have another interview and go over it. Of course. Okay. Which one? Are you, what are you going to read? That's really tough because there's so many things that you have that I'm really. How about this? Yeah, there's a. There's an interesting, Avram Moles wrote, a French mathematician, wrote a book called Aesthetic Perception and Information Theory. That's a really good book. <laughs> I want to read one of your book. books. I want to read something. Oh, one of my books. Uh, read Power Tools. Power Tools is, and it has three workbooks. The third workbook will come out after the non-local mind. Okay. That is a caterpillar. It's a bus that had been originally set up for the monarch butterfly to go to grade schools and teach the kids about the monarch butterfly. And I'm going to script that entomology out, and I'm going to put a water laboratory in it, teaching children, third graders, how to teach first graders, how to tell whether the water is pure or not, and how to change it. Oh. And then the last chapter is oh. going to be children go home and teach their parents what they learned in school that day. Um, children to learn how to tell basic things like, is the water drinkable? Does it have arsenic in it? What's its pH and turbidity? These, it's going to be a small laboratory run by third graders. And they go to the grade school, showing the third, gra third graders, showing first graders how to check for the water it's drinkable that's where we're going to start how to restructure well, I'm it sure, i'm sure you're also able to teach them if they use very uh focused intended thought of what they want to convert the water into right well that's part of it isn't it with a moto and the rest of it okay yeah i mean i would imagine the kids would eat that up oh they already get it they're so, so beyond us at that age. They, 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 imagine what it was like to always be a four-year-old, four and now I'm 73. But you said you're still four. Yeah, I haven't remained four in terms, but I'm more knowledgeable. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that the more I learn, the more I don't know. That's what the future That's is That's very true, because it opens up more questions. I feel That's that way, too. I feel like I've always been extremely curious. I never stop asking questions. But that's and, a little girl in you. Yeah, okay? and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I just love actually it. actually a little boy in you. Androgynous <laughs> part of what you seek in a mate. <laughs> well, a, now that you told the whole world about that. Well, it's the way it works. And when your values change from your inner masculine and that of your husband, 
uh, then there's conflict. Even slight variations in values and chunking, you know, which more important. Yeah. It's really important that as we both change, we mood match. Because just variations in belief systems are enough to break up a marriage or a relationship. Yeah, that's a challenge for all of us. Yeah. Hey, uh, quick, quick question. Are you getting younger? I don't know. Uh, did Dick Clark get younger? You look oh, absolutely, you look <laughs> you look absolutely <laughs> fabulous for being 73. Really? I smell pretty bad. <laughs> but your face <laughs> is so, it's so youthful. Well, stay tuned on that. I'm grumpy like uh, <laughs> Mr. McGill. <laughs> and I'm going bald from unnatural causes. <laughs> Pulled my hair out. <laughs> yeah, but I would imagine all the stuff that you're into, all the stuff you're you're able to like, you know, clear up the skin and make yourself euthanized. Well, not that's, uh, that's coconut oil, <laughs> you know, defoliating and then coconut oil. <laughs> oh, that's the secret. That's the secret. <laughs> yeah. you One of them. Funny, man. Okay, yeah. well, I'm going to uh, tie this up now. I just want to thank Dr. Richard Allen Miller. Please, again, support his work. You can check him out at, here's an original website, richardallenmiller.com. <laughs> <laughs> I'm give you a hard time about that. Or docram.com. And you can check out, please check out his books. The Power Tools for the 21st Century is what he's really promoting at this time. And of course, he has a copious number of others up there. Just scope them out and uh, you will be learning along the road with me. Because I think we all, at this time, it's so absolutely imperative that we expand the way we see our reality, not get caught up in. Uh, the tedious, uh, what's the word, petty, triviality. Mundane, profane over sacred. Yeah, and get into the profane sacred. Because yeah. we can do it like that. It's all about your choices, right? How did you do that? That was, a, I, I've never been able to do that. <laughs> that was a cool one. <laughs> Anyway, so stay tuned to GalacticConnection.com. You know that we are here 365 days a year. And as uh, Dr. Richard Allen Miller does, we post at least 25 posts a day of pertinent information that we feel you need to scope out, stay in a place of observation, and carry that information forward. Hopefully you can pass on the truth to others. Uh, have them see life in a different way. So uh, please continue to support us. I just want to spend my day saying I love you all. Thanks for being such an awesome audience. I told him that. So you got to show him that that's true. Okay. Take care, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>